how to utilize a physician assistant in an emergency room setting. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Steve Engelberg. Steve is an emergency medicine physician assistant. He is the past president of the Nevada Academy of Physician Assistants and the vice president and founder of the National Association of Physician Assistants. Today we are discussing how to utilize physician assistants in an emergency room setting. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. How are you? I'm fine. Steve, why did you choose the field of emergency medicine, and what is it about the emergency room that has made you stay for the last 12 years? Well, I chose emergency medicine. I I guess I have a little bit of a bias. I was in EMS for nine years, so, I mean, that was kind of my comfort zone. There's many reasons I've stayed in it. I like the variation. I, I actually did a, some elective rotations in my in my training. One of them was cardiothoracic surgery. And I absolutely loved it and realized after about three weeks that after doing the same kind of operations over and over, I, I kind of realized that how much more I liked it in the emergency department because every five minutes you saw something that, oh, my God, I, I never saw this before. And that just is something that, comes on time after time again. The small details that people like about emergency medicine is I don't wear a pager. Nobody ever calls me at night. And when my shift is over, my shift is over. It's a complication. It's signed out to the next person. I'm gone and they take over. So that's one of the the small benefits. You completed an emergency medicine residency program. Can you tell us a little about that? And is that something that is common and or available for physician assistants? Well, I mean, if you know about the PA profession and it's uh, doing residencies is certainly not a very common thing. It's out there. There's quite a number of them that are available, but there's different levels of residency. The one that I took is, it's not in existence anymore. It was Aldous and Broadus, and it was a two-year program in which you did this after you graduated from PA school, and I got a master's degree in medical science with a, an emphasis in emergency medicine is what it's actually termed. So I got a master's degree in my two years. I don't know of any other program before or after that where you can actually get a master's degree in your program. And our program was based on regular emergency medicine residency program in conjunction with the University of West Virginia. And we were right alongside uh, in a lot of our lectures and cadaver labs and critical care labs and, and lectures all alongside regular emergency medicine residents. It was a fantastic program, and anybody that's gone to it that I know just says how, how much they learned in it, and it was just an amazing program. Right now, the only ones I know of that are out there, there's certificate programs, there's one-year programs where some of them I've heard are pretty good where you can actually you know, have classes and you're hired for a reduced rate, and in the year you kind of do your rotations in different departments and you learn your residency that way. But ours was a much more formalized two-year residency, and, and it was just, it's a shame that there's no more of them around. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and I'm speaking with Steve Engelberg, physician assistant and vice president and founder of the National Association of Physician Assistants. And we're discussing how to utilize physician assistants in the emergency room setting. So physician assistants are very popular in emergency medicine. But proper recruitment of a PA is is the key to a really good outcome. 
if I'm a hospital and I want to bring in a PA, what factors should I be considering? Well, you'd have to look at it the same way that they would look at, okay, let's, we need a physician for our ER. You've got two choices. You can get a residency-trained, board-certified emergency medicine physician, or you can go out and get somebody that works in a physician's office and hire him or her to come in and work in the department. Now, are you going to get somebody that's familiar with emergency medicine and procedures and cardiac arrests and intubating and chest tubes and all that? If you hire somebody that has never seen that and has only worked in a physician's office, probably not. Well, it's the exact same thing if you hire a PA, and I have too many times seen many emergency departments who are kind of toying with the idea, hey, why don't we see about getting a physician assistant? I heard they're good. And what they do is they hire the one that they know that comes in from the urology department or somebody that, you know, works on the floors, and they say, hey, you know, why don't you come down and see about working in our emergency department? Well, same with a physician who is not trained in emergency medicine. If you've got a PA that's not trained in it, it doesn't many times work out to anybody's advantage. You also have, the uh, at times, in, in a new setting, you have a lot of people that are not quite sure that that's the thing that they want to do, so they hire any physician assistant who doesn't have emergency medicine training, put them in the ER, they fail, and they just don't continue the program, and everyone just goes their own direction, and and it doesn't go anywhere. The thing you have to make up your mind is if you want an emergency medicine physician, many times in your state, if you're in a rural area, you're not going to find somebody in that area that knows emergency medicine well. Two issues. One is you're going to have to try to recruit somebody from another area, which means costs to you, flying them in, interviews, uh, relocation expenses, and you need to pay them well. I can make a lot of money for my department, and any good emergency medicine physician can make a lot of money for their department. I've seen too many places that, let's see, if the going rate is, I don't know, I'll make up a number here, $50, $60 an hour, and let's see, we can get a local guy for $40 an hour. Well, how much did saving that 10 or 15 or $20 an hour save you when an emergency medicine physician can bring in huge amounts of money with procedures and with everything else that they can do that they don't need to have the physician come in to do compared to the person that's never done any of these things before doesn't work out, the whole position doesn't work out, and it's kind of, I mean, my analogy of this is opening a pizzeria and making bad pizza, and then when people say, well, why don't you make good pizza, you say, well, when all the customers come, I'll start making enough money that I can start making good pizza. Well, that's never going to happen. You've got to start in the beginning with good pizza, and then people will come. You start with a good physician assistant, and you're going to start making some money. And not just the money, you're going to be giving good treatment to the patients. You recently did a cost analysis and showed how beneficial the efficient use of a PA in the emergency department can be. Can you tell us a little about that? Actually, this study was started a while back. I have tweaked it up, and I'm actually writing a dissertation. It's going to be a a part of the dissertation. What I did is I actually took one of my directors had asked me, he wanted to actually show administration how much it is. He was a real proponent of uh, using PAs in the emergency department. He, he wanted to show the administration, well, you know, in dollars and cents, what can we bring besides many other advantages? So I took all of the actual numbers that we used 
in terms of how much we actually get for a level one, a level two, and, and so on through level five, how many cases we actually saw. This is a community hospital, about 25,000 people a year, and 20% was a level two and 40% was a level three and so on. And I plugged in numbers. So I found out, uh, you know, an average physician salary per hour, an average PA salary per hour, what it costs for benefits, malpractice insurance. And I came up with what it costs to keep a physician and what it costs to keep a PA per hour. I then crunched all the numbers and came up with what's the bottom line? What is it that the PA can actually bring into the group or the hospital over a physician? I was amazed at the end. I tried to be fair with this. I tried to say, okay, there's cases where I need to go consult with the physician. I need to have him come see my patient. So I compensated for that. In an average emergency department, you only collect 30 cents on the dollar. So I actually did the study based on only collecting 30 cents on the dollar. And this is actually in money selected. And I did it over a period of one slot, 24 hours for a physician, one slot, 24 hours for a PA. This particular hospital, we used to have uh, one physician, one PA around the clock, and I said, okay, if they had two physicians rather than one physician and one PA, what would be the difference? Well, the bottom line for this is, now, a PA can only bill at 85% of what the physician can bill. So if the PA saw all the patients on his own, never ran anything by the, the supervising physician, the bottom line is $880,000 a year in actual income to the hospital that a PA would make over the physician. Now, if you were worked in a hospital where they wanted the physician to eyeball every patient, in which case you can bill 100%, the difference that the PA can bring in, in actual income is $1.4 million. That's impressive. I had no idea until I crunched these numbers. And as I said, I was, I think, very fair with all of these numbers. I had realistic salaries. I had realistic costs of what a hospital charges. I had the actual numbers, and I had, you know, figured in for every time that, uh, you know, three to five minutes consultation on the more complex patients, and that's the bottom line. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. Thank you, Lisa. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. Thanks for listening.